Hey guys, it is me, your host, just popping in before this episode starts. This is a re-aired episode. Um, I did have a episode all lined up and I recorded it, poured my heart and soul into it. It was a doozy, guys. It was a really good one, so I'm so sad it's gone. I might have the guts to do it again, um, but I have almost lost my voice. So getting something up there so we can... I can't let a week go by without you guys having something to make your week a little bit happier because podcasts are life. Um, But thank you for being here. Enjoy this episode with Courtney. Um, If you haven't listened to it, this is your lucky day. You do not want to skip this episode. If you have listened to it, this is like a comfort show, okay? It's like the Gilmore Girls that you always have on in the background. This is a recording and a conversation you can listen to over and over because I know that I have. Okay, get out of your way. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Love you so much. Bye-bye. All right, guys. Welcome back to the Bread and Butter Podcast. I'm your host, Brecklin, and today we have a really special guest. So we have Courtney Rich of Cake by Courtney. Um, Thanks so much for being here, Courtney. Oh, thanks for inviting me. This is so fun. Oh, it's been such a treat. And for anyone who doesn't know Courtney, which is honestly highly unlikely, I feel like you have taken like the like the baking enthusiast world by storm. Courtney does a lot of things, but mostly what people know her as is an incredible like recipe developer for cake. You teach classes, you teach people how to decorate beautiful cakes in their own home. Tell us just a little bit about yourself. <laughs> just give us like the well, Courtney intro. Thank you for that uh, introduction. That was very nice. So yeah, like you said, I mean, I'm a self-taught baker. I now teach people how to make really yummy cakes and how to make them look pretty from the comfort of their own home. Cause that's how I started out. I mean, I just really kind of through trial and error though, almost 13 mm-hmm. years ago made my first cake and just fell in love with the process and started learning and teaching myself while also starting a family. I was working in media consulting And gosh, seven years ago, uh, last month, I started my blog and started sharing the recipes I developed and uh, while still learning, I feel like every day I'm still learning things and teaching myself. But I just wanted to, I guess, share that passion with other people and help them feel more confident to get into the kitchen, to realize what a great experience and how fun it was to bake something from scratch or just to be in the kitchen, make those memories, kind of escape everything else for a little bit. And, uh, you know, it's just turned into something I I don't think I really ever pictured when I hit published on that first blog post. That's amazing. Well, and I feel like you also have such a unique approach to teaching people. I was talking to my mom about this interview and she was like, do you remember that cake decorating class that we took? I was like 10 years old. We took, I think it was like, like a local Joann's. We're like, let's do it. Let's take the cake decorating course. And I remember the instructor who was the nicest woman, but she would always like, look at my cakes and then look to like, look at my mom and be like, it's okay. Like, she's so young. She's so young. Like she has time to like grow out of this. And I was like, lady, like I'm right here. Like, and so I, I was like, here I am having this like cool conversation with cake by Courtney. And I'm like, I feel like I've come full circle. Like I've healed. <laughs> we, we can talk about cake again and we, we can make beautiful cakes again. And you are so encouraging, which is just awesome. And I feel like people love that. They're like, oh my gosh, maybe I can make this at my house. Like, which I well, just think that's is so exactly cool. how I hope 
people feel after coming to one of my classes, after watching one of my videos or being part of a live or stories that they're like, okay, you know what? I think I can do this. And then I just want to get them in that first step. I want them to just try that first cake because even if it's a disaster, I still feel like there is just this little bit of fire that gets lit inside of them. They're there where they're just, I don't know, for me, it was like, okay, that didn't work out the way I thought it was going to, but gosh, it was kind of fun. And I actually would love to see what happens if I try again. And if I try again, and then it just like starts to build and you're like, wait, I, this little hobby is a passion. This is so fun. I get to be creative. I get to prove to myself that I can do something I never thought I could do. And then I get to share it with people. And so there's so many reasons to love it. I love that. Well, and tell me about, so you weren't, it's not like you've been doing cake out of the gate. This is like a new, not new, right? You're, you're an expert at this point, but in your adult life, it was kind of like a pivot from what you were doing previously. So give us just kind of a brief rundown, because I think that's a very unique thing for an adult to pivot in such like a A, a 180 way. way. Because my background is actually broadcast journalism. I graduated college from BYU with a degree in broadcast journalism and went into media consulting right away. So media consulting meant that I was working for a company that did all the research for media companies like ABC, Martha Stewart, Omnimedia, um, Oprah, uh, NBC, Buena Vista, Comcast. I mean, I was working for companies um, that are are huge and across the the media platforms, just really big names. And we did uh, television testing. So I primarily worked on new shows, pilot testing, talent testing, and I would travel the country moderating focus groups to determine among viewers what was working and what didn't work. And so I did that until 2019, actually. So there was crossover from when I, you know, when I was consulting to when I was baking and started my blog, Um, because baking for me really turned into just this fun hobby on the side. And so while I was consulting, uh, I'm kind of jumping back and forth, but I was doing media consulting and uh, several years into that, I became a mom and I had Weston and we were living in Santa Monica. So we were near family and including my parents and my husband's parents, we were in a very big foodie scene. And I would say the food world around that time, um, this was gosh, 2000, almost 2009, 2009 when Weston was about to turn one, um, you know, we're living there, we're going to just the best restaurants. We have Ryan's parents close by that we would spend Sunday dinners with and they're excellent cooks. So we got to put that out there because that's a big part of the story actually. And Weston's birthday's coming around. And I thought, you know, I want to throw him a big first birthday party. We'll have our family come, we'll have friends, we'll have some of his friends come. And I thought it would be really neat to make a cake from scratch. And I grew up baking with my mom. We did cookies. We did brownies. We did bars. We did pies. We never made a cake from scratch. So this was new to me. But the idea kind of got in my head because my in-laws are really good cooks. And I wanted to impress them. Truly, I wanted to do something special for Weston, but I also wanted to like, 
impress Rick and Connie and kind of show them I can do something in the kitchen because I always wanted to like help and learn from them. So I grabbed a Bon Appetit magazine. And the reason I reached for Bon Appetit magazine at the store was it was something I saw in Rick and Connie's kitchen all the time. They were always grabbing recipes from that. So I thought, okay, that's a good source. They're well known. There's got to be a good cake recipe in here. And I found a recipe for a peanut butter cake with chocolate buttercream. It spoke to me. I love peanut butter. I love chocolate. And I said, this is going to be his cake, whether Weston likes it or not. These are mom's favorites. And I went for it, put Weston down for a nap that week of his birthday party and grabbed, I had two cake pans. I had a mixer and that was about it. I didn't have any of the fancy decorating tools. I didn't have very many kitchen supplies, period, right? I'd been married for about almost five years. Uh, yeah, five years at this point. So it was whatever I got from my wedding. There was nothing additional or special. Followed the recipe. I decorated it the best I could with like just a kitchen knife. And, you know, it's been described as uh, poofy, the cake itself. I mean, I didn't know about, I didn't know about leveling. I didn't know about crumb coats. I didn't know about anything. I just like slathered the frosting on, tried to make it look very Martha Stewart and rustic and put a big homemade cake topper on it uh, that I had done out of like, I don't know. I think it was scrapbook paper with a big W, but I was so proud of it. I look back and I laugh because it looks like a train wreck, but I was so proud of it. I mean, I really didn't know better. And I loved being in the kitchen. I loved trying something new, going outside of my comfort zone. And then I loved serving the cake and watching our family and friends eat it and seeing their reactions. It's still one of my favorite things when I make a new cake where I just want to like stare at the person eating it and watch their eyes and their expressions. And so as I cleaned up from that party that night, I just thought, gosh, that was a really fun experience. I want to do that again. I want to get back in the kitchen and give that another go. And so I did. Any chance I got, I was going to try a new recipe. And for several years, that's what it was. It was when I wasn't working I wasn't traveling for work. Uh, Weston was down for a nap. This became my like creative outlet, my me time, I would go into the kitchen, nothing else in the world was going on, right? Like I could go into that space and just shut everything else off, clear my mind and focus on something that I wanted to get better at. And I just continued to do that, you know, week after week uh, for another six years. We left Santa Monica after my husband finished business school. I was still working in consulting. We moved to the Bay Area for work. Um, still baking cakes, still teaching myself on the side, still working and consulting. I had my daughter while we were in the Bay Area. And then eight years ago, we moved here to Salt Lake. And about a year into being in Utah, I decided, okay, I'm going to start a blog. I'm going to share the recipes. Like enough people were trying them and asking for recipes and families said, hey, you know, this would be fun. Maybe you should share it. And I mean, I was definitely concerned that the market was super saturated, but I kept remembering all these years of consulting. And it was so interesting because I would go into focus group after focus group, testing show after show, and we would get the same response. Everyone would start out the group saying, okay, I already have a ton of shows that I watch. Like, I don't, I don't really have room for anything else. Cause we'd always talk about what are you watching right now? What are your priority shows? 
And they would say, oh, here's what I'm watching. Here's what's priority. I really don't have time for anything else. But then if we showed them a program that they really liked, that had interesting storylines, really good characters, actors, always, 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 if it was a good show, people would say, oh, I'll make room for that. Yeah, that's so fascinating. And I would but it's say, so true. Right, right. And I'm like, wait, you just told me you don't have any more time. And they're like, no, 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 no. But that's really good. I'll figure it out. I'm going to make time for that show. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of had that in the back of my head as I was feeling doubtful going into the food blogging space, which I knew it's saturated, it's crowded. Mm-hmm. But I thought, okay, if I can make good content, if I can set myself apart a little bit, I, maybe people will make room for me. And so I went for it. I started sharing my cakes on Instagram. I started sharing what I had learned Um, because for me, that was a big thing. I didn't want to be a bakery. I wanted to teach people and empower people with the knowledge that they needed to feel confident to go into the kitchen and say, okay, Courtney learned not to do this, this, and this. So I already have that in my tool belt, and now I can go, you know, and try this for myself. And so that's kind of how that all just started. And like I said, I was still consulting until 2019 when I started a product line. That's awesome. Well, and you've talked about how, you know, one of the best parts about making a cake with your hands and, you know, you're able to be so present in the kitchen, even just for a couple hours. And then there's this joy of, of watching someone enjoy something that you made with your hands. And, you know, especially throughout, I'm sure like quarantine, you know, you enter this market that you're so worried is so saturated and people are like, yes, like we want that too. And I just think that's such a fun gift to promote like yeah like get in the kitchen like learn it it's okay to find like joy in like this because I was I was thinking about this preparing for the interview and you have built this like empire around cake and it's a dessert right like it's not you know essential you know quote unquote but people are dying for things like that and I was just thinking I'm like dessert is such a great practice of just doing things for fun like just enjoying things and just doing it for pleasure. So I would love for you to speak to that because I think that's something that you've done such a good job of endorsing. And so I'm just so curious kind of like what your, how you feel about food and dessert and eating. And, you know, you've talked about balance, but then you do this really fun job of being like, yeah, like let's get in the kitchen. Let's make this like beautiful decadent dessert and just enjoy it because you can. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think there's something to be said with giving ourselves permission, especially as women, as moms, to have a hobby. Yeah. To take time and things that we're interested in and learning something new, developing a skill. And I am a huge promoter of that. I'm a huge believer in having those moments. And I'm not just talking about like, oh, self care, let's go take a bath and let's meditate. I, for me, I, it needs to be like a physical creative thing. I need to just get lost and escape for a minute, but I also want to feel like I am continually growing and learning. And that's part of my self care. That's my self love. It is what can I do to push myself to learn and to grow while I'm taking taking care of myself while I'm developing passions and hobbies and, and having this joy and all those things I think do kind of wrap themselves into 
bringing joy in our lives. And for me, food, gosh, food means so much more than the calories we put into our bodies. Food Mm -hmm. is memories, most of all. I mean, I, you could say a food and I can think of a memory. I could smell something and I could tell you, oh man, that smells like the ice cream shop that we used to go to when we picked up my dad from the train station in Chicago when I was four years old. I can still remember the smell of that ice cream shop, right? It is so much more than the calories. And I feel like, you know, we get hung up and we've all been in different phases in our lives, depending on the diet culture and, and the people around us and how they view food, where it's easy to get caught up in this is good, this is bad. I'm not supposed to eat that. I should only be eating this. And those are all the wrong words, the shoulds, the shoulds and the bads. And when we look for me, when I look at food as it's good for so many reasons, all of it's good for so many reasons. And there's different ways that we incorporate it. I want to find joy in the things that I eat. I you know, I want to feel good with the things that I eat. And sometimes, yeah, it's sugar. It's a slice of cake. And I feel good because it's indulgent. It's happy. I made it. I'm sharing it with people I love. And sometimes that food that makes me feel good is on the healthier side. It's the, the, the vegetables and the protein and the healthy carbs. I know that help sustain my energy and my strength. And they're good for that reason too, you know? And so for me, I mean, the ba- there, there, it has, there has to be balance. I, I hate to be like, oh, you can't have any of this and you can't have any of that. Like for me, it's what's the right balance? When do I feel my best um, as a mom in my work, you know, in my daily life too? I love that. And let's pivot because, I mean, not much of a pivot, but you've talked about like allowing people and giving people permission to have hobbies. And a lot of times hobbies take a little bit of investment, you know? So let's say you're, you're getting a couple like basic cake tools that are really going to help your cake baking experience go smoother, or, you know, you're a runner. So maybe you invest in a coach or you invest in some shoes that make running more comfortable. I would love for you to speak to investing in yourself and investing in hobbies, because I think like cake aside, that is something that shines through you. Like I've seen your little cute necklace that says cake. And I love that because I'm like, this has clearly been something that has, you know, made your life happier. And you're just, you're totally endorsing that. And so I would love for you to speak to, you know, maybe women or men or anyone who just feels like they can't invest in themselves, but then it, if you don't invest in yourself, what, what is life? You know what I mean? Like, where is your growth? And to that, I'm like, why, why can't you invest in yourselves? When did we like, take on this belief that we have to give everything to everyone else in our lives and not anything to ourselves. I don't know how that kind of life is sustainable. I'm all about serving those around you, taking care of the people around you. But at some point, if you're not taking care of yourself, which includes investment in different areas of your own life, what more do you have to give? I know that I am a better wife, a better mom, a better friend, a better business owner when I'm filling my own cup. And I don't think that is selfish at all. I think it is the right thing to do. I think you have to incorporate that. Now, maybe that is 10 minutes a day of something that you truly love that fills up your cup. Maybe it's a half hour, maybe it's an hour. It depends on your phase of life, right? My business, what I was doing with cakes was so different when I had 
little kids. And then as they got a little older, it changed. And even now it's, it's a little bit different. And the hours that I do, it's a little bit different. So there's constant adjustment, but I think what, I mean, I hope people realize, I hope it's something that people learn in their lifetime is that they are worthy of their own investment. And that, I mean, it maybe sounds silly when it comes to cake, but you're, you are worth investing a couple tools in so that you can enjoy this hobby a little bit more. It's something, you know, I see a lot, you know, as um, just as I talk with my followers and, and find out there's still so many and probably the majority of my followers that aren't really baking. They're there to watch and maybe escape and to learn and they're back of their mind. They're like, okay, someday I'm going to do this. Someday I'm going to give that a try. I'm not ready yet. I'm a little nervous. And I just want to be like, no, no, no. Let's just give it a try right now. Like you don't, maybe right now we don't invest in all the tools. That's totally okay. I didn't have tools at the beginning. I was just using what I had and I made it work. But it became something that I love to the point where I'm like, okay, I want to get a little better at this, which means I'm going to need to invest a little bit in maybe a product or a tool that's going to help me get a little bit better. Or maybe it's the class that I need to take so that I can learn a few more things. Um, but over time, as we're investing in ourselves, right, we're building that confidence, the mental strength, the emotional strength, physical strength in these different areas. And I'm just a firm believer that that investment in self makes you better for everyone else around you. I love that. And I love that you come at it with such an abundance mindset. And I love, I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about how sometimes even this is, you know, talking more on the financial side, but a lot of times as women say we are bringing in income, um, we feel like, you know, maybe that's something to be embarrassed of or be like, Oh, like, no, 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 it's just a small hobby or whatever, whatever it is, right. Whatever excuse we do to kind of minimize ourselves. Um, but I love the idea that the more of you there is, the more there is to share with the world, right? The more abundant you feel about yourself and about your resources and about your abilities, the more you empower others. And I think that's what you've done. And I think that's one of the reasons why people are so drawn to you is because they're like, oh my gosh, yeah, why? Like, why can't I go out and get myself a couple of cake tools and start this hobby that makes me happy? And I just, yeah, I've, I was so drawn to you for that reason. I was like, this, people need to hear more of, of women, of mothers, of doing these things. Like, yeah, like, why, when did we ever start being like, oh, you know, maybe we'll get the tools later. Maybe we'll wait. You know, maybe that's selfish of me. So I just, I absolutely adore that. And I'd love to kind of speak to how that's helped your personal life and also your mental health, because that's been something that you've been open about, which I love. And I would love to talk about kind of your journey with depression and, and when you received that diagnosis, how was that for you? Because you're a very radiant, happy person. Um, you know, happy, what does happy mean? But you seem very positive and uplifting. So I'd love to know how you kind of processed that. Yeah, you know, I will. Yeah. So, uh, so many thoughts with that, I guess, as I'm kind of thinking, where do I want to start with that? Well, I will take you back to, uh, I was first told that I had depression when I was about 18, 19. My parents got divorced um, well, they separated my senior year of high school and um, at the end of my freshman year of college, finally uh, filed for divorce. So it was during that time when I started um, struggling and the depression manifested itself in a very powerful and strong way. 
And a doctor said, you know, I think you've got situational depression. I thought, okay, situational. Clearly I'm going through a big life change that's rocking my world and my foundation in so many ways. Um, And I thought to myself, okay, situational means maybe it's just for a moment. And they thought I would kind of, you know, just climb out of it um, as the years went on. But unfortunately I didn't. And it was the shadow of darkness that followed me (laughs) through adulthood um, for two decades. I'm 39. And so, yeah, I guess that's been about 20, 20 years. And it was something, especially at that time when I was in college going through it, when I was first married, that it wasn't, it wasn't talked about. I didn't know anyone with depression. Actually, I take that back. I knew my uncle, my mom's brother had it severely um, to the point that he was hospitalized for a little bit. So he was kind of the only person I knew um, that dealt with it. But other than that, people were not talking about it. Even postpartum depression was not talked about the way that it is now. So I very much held on to that quietly and how I was feeling very quietly. Even Ryan, um, I didn't discuss it with him. It felt very shameful. It felt embarrassing. It's hard to explain to someone who doesn't feel those feelings of depression, who can't control those feelings, it's hard to explain and say, I'm, I am sad. I'm not sure why I'm sad today. I don't want to get out of bed today. Um, I have no motivation today. And this is coming from someone um, who is highly motivated on a regular basis, who was a straight A student, who was called the president of the happy club when she was a little girl by her parents. Just that is my natural personality is I am a glass overflowing, right? And so it was very shocking to me, very scary to me when I started to feel different and to when like these depressed states um, and the depression started to really overwhelm my life. And I would just kind of hang on tight to get through the bad moments and then just really try to enjoy the good moments. And I worked on medication. I did therapy on and off for (laughs) two decades now. Um, But I remember going into the kitchen and baking that first cake and the second cake and the third cake. And I was drawn by the feeling that I felt in the kitchen. And it was that feeling of joy. And there was that feeling of peace. And I thought, I just need to keep going back in the kitchen because I want to keep feeling that. And I was really happy with work and really happy with my family, but I was also very much masking pain that I couldn't explain and sadness that I couldn't explain. And that became very overwhelming to the point that anxiety became very much a part of my life. And so the kitchen was this place for me to explore a new hobby, but it was this place for me to escape all those other things that were just building chaos in my mind. And so cake became this journey to help me navigate depression, help me get through those really tough moments. And I got that cake necklace because it was kind of like cake saved me in a way. It kept me going for so many years. And interestingly enough, 
you know, a couple years ago, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm still really struggling. You know, I felt like I had gotten to a place where um, I was managing it really well. I like a routine. Um, you'll see on Instagram, I like to, I like to run. So my mornings start early. They start with running. They start with scripture study, with prayer. Um, I try to keep a routine on what I eat. I like having that consistency. And I thought that was really helping. And so as I felt like, okay, this isn't going away. How do I manage it? Trying to figure out how to manage it the best I can. And then I'm like, man, I am feeling like this is getting really hard again. And that's kind of, I feel like for me, how depression's been. It's okay, I'm managing. Now it's hard. Now it's better. You know, these up and downs, it feels like such a roller coaster. And so I really, a couple years ago, was like, I'm going to do everything I can. Maybe I need to follow a super clean diet. Maybe it's the way that I'm eating and the things in my life. Cause you know, you follow people and they're like, oh, get rid of all these toxins and things. And so, okay, I'm gonna go super clean. I'm gonna work with uh, more holistic health. I'm gonna get back into therapy. And last year I was doing therapy again, very regularly. I was doing EMDR therapy um, for the first time and that very regularly. And I made some huge progress last year, but still at the end of the year, I went to my therapist and said, do you know what? Maybe I need to try medicine again. I feel like it's never really worked. And she said, you know, I agree. I think we've done some really great things here. Um, but if you are still feeling like you are struggling, you know, let's, let's try medicine again. So I had to go to a psychologist and this is, was an interesting turn of events for me. And again, I wouldn't be in this place if it wasn't for cake. If I hadn't stepped into the kitchen the first time, if I hadn't followed that good feeling that just kept me surviving for so many years, right? And that reminded me that I am worth investing in, not just in the hobby, not just like on a daily exercise routine or good food, but like mental health too. And so really I'm like, I'm investing in my mental health because I, you know, whether I can control the way my brain is wired or not, I've got to get to be my best self. And so I get to the psychiatrist earlier this year, we are talking, having our first kind of interview conversation. And she brings up the idea, Courtney, I think you might have ADHD. And I said, what? And we started talking about it. She started explaining it to me as it looks in women, since it's different than men and little girls versus little boys, right? We think very much boys are so rambunctious and they're kind of crazy and off the wall and they must have ADD and girls um, can manifest it very differently where it's a very much more internal. And as she started to describe some things and symptoms and traits and characteristics, in my mind, I'm literally just sitting there checking boxes, like, wait, that's me, wait, that's me, wait, that's me. And then I, then she brought up the point that she's like, one of the things that happens often with girls, especially with ADHD, is that they get misdiagnosed with depression and anxiety because it's one of the, basically one of the symptoms, what happens, right? If you're undiagnosed ADHD and you're not dealing with the low dopamine and the way that your brain is wired differently, depression and anxiety start to come out from that. And they're things that um, are a result of the undiagnosed and untreated ADHD. She said, 
you know, let's have you come back in a week and we'll do the formal test. I went back the next week, took the test. She called me and she's, um, and she said, yeah, you are definitely positive, you know, for ADHD to the point of like 99th percentile in two of the three categories that they test. And even when I told my mom that she was like, wait, what? Like this does, no, that is not who you are. And I have had people literally look me in the eye since then and say, no, you don't, you don't have that. I was like, well, let me explain it to you because I think people who assume, no, you don't have that, that's crazy, only know very little about ADD and how it's in boys and how it looks like in the boys. And so it's been such an interesting learning opportunity for me. And I have just like gone just I dove head first into all the research and books and understanding about how this has affected my brain, how it has turned into depression. Very, I mean, it's very clear to me how it all like works now. And I feel like this new, per like I'm getting to know this new person and I started medication for ADHD um, back in, in March. And I went back after the first month and my doctor said, okay, let's, let's talk about how are you feeling different? And, you know, have you noticed anything? How's the medicine, you know, working? And I looked at her and I said, I haven't felt depressed in 30 days. And she looked at me and she's like, she like put her hands up in the air and she's like, we got it right. It's working. And I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that after two decades of treating depression that we finally found actually what it was, right? And then I'm like looking at my family history and the genetics and I'm like, oh, this makes so much sense, right? My dad, his brother, my boy cousins, but I'm like the first girl in the family and it's so different in girls. But here's the thing, like it would, I don't believe that, any of it would have, I would have even come to this conclusion had there not been this whole path of cake, had there not been this whole like awakening and understanding of yes, invest in yourself, invest in the hobbies, take time for yourself. My mind became clear in the kitchen, right? It's the times when like there's revelation. It's like, maybe you should think about doing this or, you know, it's kind of like going for a run and clearing your head. That's how the kitchen became. So for me, I'm like, you don't even know the potential doors that you could open by just leaning into something you're interested in, leaning into the hobby and the passion. Like you don't even know. And I'm just here to like shout from the rooftops, take a minute for yourself so you can discover these doors that could be there. Like you just, the potential is endless on so many different levels and for me, I, I needed cake to help me find that door, the light at the end of the tunnel for the just like chaos and sadness and pain that I was going through for two decades. Yeah. Well, and I feel like I'm going to be emotional just hearing you speak about this because um, I'm actually in the midst of formal diagnosis myself for ADHD. So, um, and it's come after... You know, I have a different story, but similar in, in the sense that I was about 18 years old um, 
you know, felt like I had kind of lost myself. I felt like I was, didn't know who I was anymore. It was kind of, it felt like an identity crisis because, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of just, it comes on you and you're like, um, I remember crying to my mom. I was like, I can't live like this. I, I wanted to go to college. I wanted to get married. I wanted to do all of these things. And, and now I feel like I can't, it's, it's just this shadow. It's this darkness that mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if I'm strong enough to fight. And I know that there are so many amazing women who have had the same experience and, and I love the tie that you have to investing in yourself and, and learning about yourself because the relief is monumental. Like you say, you know, you're, you're at the doctor's office and you're just checking it off in your head. Um, I mean, I can't tell you the relief I have felt, you know, reading these articles and I was like, you have got to be kidding me. Like I, I had the mm-hmm. same conversation with my mom. I was like, mom, I think I, I think I have ADHD. It's just not probably what people would have pegged me as, but it makes so much sense. Um, and yeah, I, I just, I guess I would echo your shout from the rooftops of, yeah, invest with yourself and and spend time with yourself because I think it can be really easy to just kind of sweep yourself under the rug. And, and like you say, just kind of power on and kind of hold on through those tough moments. And I just, everyone deserves better. And, you know, I've, I've been really, yeah, it's just, it's crazy. I totally, I totally agree. And I think also like, listen to the voices inside you, listen to what your gut is telling you. Like, you know yourself better than anyone. I remember distinctly feeling different. I remember thinking, "Ah, this doesn't feel like me. And it has, I've had that feeling so many times throughout the years. And that's kind of what like led to the last two years where I'm like, you know what? I know I could be feeling better. I know that there is still more to discover and to figure out with my health. And I think whether that's mental health or that's physical, don't sweep those feelings under the rug and just say, oh, I'm just in my head. Oh, I'm just always tired because I'm a mom of little kids. Maybe but also maybe not, maybe go get hormones tested and see what your thyroid levels are or progesterone. I mean, there's so much as women, like we are changing with every decade of life, with every phase of life. And I hear so often from girls and I'm not a doctor, you guys, I right, obviously, I'm just saying from experience, don't put it under the rug. If you, if you are in your mind being like, I don't, I don't think this is right. This doesn't feel right go figure it out and find out, go to a doctor, start learning. I, at one point I was like, maybe, maybe it's my cycle is just so bad. I'm going to have my hormones checked. I'm going to go do this. Um, and I went to like three different doctors. Cause every time I was like, no, this, the, it's still like inside of me. I'm like, no, this is not the right answer. Figure it out. And I finally went to one doctor and she was like, maybe you should get a hysterectomy. And I'm like, excuse me, what? No, what? I was so angry and I left and I'm like, okay, that's what led to the holistic route. And then that holistic doctor was like, Hey, here's what our tests are showing. Um, and she brought up like, um, she's, uh, it was Provo health anyway. And they do a hair follicle test and it could pull like your gut health, your liver health, your brain health, your hormone health. And I was like triggering red flags for like mental health. And she's like, what is going on? 
Like you have some stuff to work through. And I just like broke down. I'm like, okay, I have stuff that sent me back to therapy, you know, like, so sometimes the path is super windy and I'm only saying all those details because it's windy. And sometimes you just have to keep going and you're like, wait, this doesn't make sense. I don't have any answers. But for 20 years, I literally was like, this doesn't feel like the right answer. Okay. I'm going to push through, keep going, keep finding out. And I remember when I got my test results back for ADHD and I was listening to one of my books about ADHD and just feeling like this lady as she's talking in her book is literally describing who I am. Like I felt seen for the first time. And I'm like, oh, though this, yes, that's me. That is me. And I felt so much relief that I just started crying. I was in my car and I was just crying because it, it also would have been so easy to say, how did this get missed? How did no doctor in 20 years say this might be what is actually going on? But instead I was like, I wasn't mad at all. I was so relieved. I was so relieved because I'm like, oh, look, I have got an answer. I still have stuff to figure out. I'm still working very consciously every single day on the things that come along with the ADHD brain. But I know myself even better and I have like a new path and I have an answer right now. And it's just like made me feel like the journey ahead is going to be so exciting, even if it is still a little bit of a roller coaster. Um, but, you know, again, it just, I really believe I wouldn't have even gotten to this point in my path had I not discovered cake had I not leaned into that hobby had I not leaned into the passion had I not said okay let's take this in into a business you know it was just part of that life that I think opened up my mind to be receptive to these other parts of my life in the path that I needed to take as well hopefully that makes sense oh absolutely yeah I'm right here with you and I was telling my husband about this the other day and I feel like the gift of, of spending time with yourself and becoming aware of your thoughts and your feelings and who you are innately helps you develop a relationship with yourself that I feel like lends itself to kind of like a sacred responsibility to yourself. I remember when I got married, that was one thing that I felt so grateful and so strong about is, is that I knew and I trusted myself to always care for myself. Yeah. And, you know, whatever happened, you know, and it has been like, like you said, I've had a similar experience, a very winding road where, you know, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm anxious. Why am I anxious? And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm so jittery. I have, you know, all of these things. Um, but because, you know, I am, I'm similar in the way that I, I do lean into a lot of passions and it's kind of what keeps me going. It's what makes me happy. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, I think it's developed within myself kind of just this sacred obligation to care for myself as a dear friend. And I guess I would just, I would love to, I love that you've shared that. And I'd love to share that for all of my listeners because it is such a special thing. And I genuinely feel close with myself. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And I think it's something to, I guess, aspire to and to commit to. So, yeah. And you know what? I think too, if, if you're listening and you're a mom, I think it's so good for our kids and the people around us, whether that's kids or family member or friends, to see the example of us taking care of ourselves, investing in ourselves, trying something new, 
working towards it. My kids have been included in my business and my running goals and my spiritual goals, like in so much of it, they know what I've been going through this last year because I'm very open about it. I, I don't want them to ever, be as scared as I was in those moments of depression, anxiety, self-doubt. I know they'll have their moments that I can't save them from as their mom, but I want that conversation to be very open so that they know they're not alone when it comes, so that they know that their mom really struggled, but she also really fought hard to work through those struggles, that she never gave up on herself, that she believed in herself enough to invest in herself. Because I would want them to do that for them. That's what I preach to them every day. And if they don't see that by my example, they're never really going to learn it. And it's been so fun for them to be a part of my cookbook, to be a part of my races, to be a part of my testimony and my savior, Jesus Christ. Like I want them aware of all of that. So it gives them permission in their life to go after those things. I love that so, so much more than I can really say. And I hope that if you go back and listen to any part of the podcast, go back and listen to what Courtney just said, because that is... I, I just truly, that was just a gold, a gold nugget. Um, and, oh yeah, I, I just, I could go on for hours and hours. So I'm trying to kind of wrap my thoughts into like this nice little bundle as I'm like trying to not be emotional at the same time. Um, so I would love to just for kind of some practicality, I would love for you to kind of give us like, maybe like your top five, let's say you're having kind of a low day, you know, it happens frequently. I have my own kind of set of like, you know, five tools in my toolbox that I pull out when I'm having a hard day, a low day. Um, I would love if you, if you're comfortable sharing, you know, kind of some yeah. things that help you personally, because I do think it's kind of an acquired skill set as an adult yeah. to be able to care for yourself as an adult. It's not, it's not like a wiki how article that you can just kind of make a sticky note of. It's, yeah. you know what I mean? It's, it's an acquired skill. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I would say on the daily, I, I try to have a morning routine. So even on days where I wake up feeling not quite my best and I just know, and if you've gone through depression or anxiety, whether it's from ADHD or whether it's any other mental health issues, like you just kind of know you will wake up sometimes and you're like, okay, I don't, I don't feel like my full self today. Even on those days, I still try to wake up early. I try to get up, you know, before my kids so that I can have a moment of quiet time in my kitchen, just downstairs where it's still dark outside, but it's just quiet. And I can kind of use that time to either read some scriptures. Um, I always pray first thing in the morning. Um, sometimes though, I like to just write some thoughts down. And especially if I know it's going to be maybe a more of a difficult day, just based on how I'm feeling, or if it turns into one, I try to write down just like a couple notes, like, okay, maybe I'm not going to accomplish everything I wanted to today, but like, what's one thing I can accomplish today? What's that one thing I can put on my to-do list? And then I try to take a lot off of my plate on those days. 
Um, I try to exercise, whether it's a walk, it's getting outside and having some sunshine and feeling the fresh air, I think is a big one. Um, I try to find a moment to talk to a friend on those days that are particularly hard. Um, I've noticed on the days that are harder, if I am by myself, um, even with the kids around, but if it's truly just like me, it makes it harder. And so I really try to push myself, even though on those hard days, I don't really want to talk to other people. I still try to like get that conversation or find a friend that I can text or chat with or Marco or go on a walk with because it will just kind of help take your mind off those other things. And usually on those days too, I'm trying to find myself in the kitchen and I will likely not be on Instagram those days because I just need to get in my moment and also get out of that bad headspace. And for me to do that, it's going back to the OG days of being in my kitchen by myself and just escaping from everything else. And so I'll just go in there and kind of escape. And that is um, a big one for me. And also I think too, another one on my tool belt is accepting those days and leaning into them. I've learned for me when it comes to depression or anxiety, that the more I try to run from them, the worse they get. The more I try to push them away, the worse they get. So if I do have an anxiety attack, I I let it come. I feel it. I work through my breathing. I've got some th things that I do when that happens. If it's the depression, okay, hi, hi, I'm feeling sad today. That That is okay. I know maybe there's not a reason, but I also know that my brain is not wired like someone else's and this is just how it goes and I'm going to be okay with it. I know that tomorrow is a new day and I can wake up feeling better tomorrow. Um, it's hard in those moments to be like, okay, just choose to be happy. And yeah, yeah. Like, no, I literally would love to choose to be happy and snap my fingers and make it better, but it's not. So I'm just gonna, I'm not going to fight it, you know, but I'm also not going to just to my best of my ability. I'm not going to just stay in bed. I'm going to just at least get out of bed, maybe do a load of laundry, maybe get in the kitchen and just try to do some things to get through the day mm -hmm. um, the best I can. So I love all of those. And I love at the same time that um, I, I do think on days like that, it is the most productive thing you could do to kind of scale back for the day that you need to have. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think sometimes people feel guilty yeah. for that, but I love that. I just, you know, sometimes it is, it's a load of laundry and it's, you know, a treat that you enjoy making and eating and, and that's, and that's just what you need. Um, yeah. so I would love to just talk a little bit, just a little bit of cake talk just cause I can't <laughs> help myself. I'm just too curious. So I just, I, I have these little, these little questions, um, before we wrap up that I'm like, I have okay. to ask Courtney while I have her. Okay. First one, do you think cupcakes are a waste of cake? Because every time I have a cupcake, what? like if, if I'm, if I'm at a party and they're serving me cupcakes, I will have the cupcake. I'm not going to turn down your cupcake, but do I also just feel like they're just like a well-intentioned treat that should have been a slice of cake? Yeah, I do. I, like, I, I just, I, I have to get your prefer, take. I always prefer cake. I understand the love of cupcakes because 
They're easy to make. It feeds a crowd so easily. So I'm not going to knock that. For me, the problem with the cupcake is how you eat it. And it's like, there's so much more I can incorporate in every bite and that I can incorporate overall in my cakes if there's like a lot of elements. And so I want to take my fork and I want to grab some filling and I want to grab the cake and I want to grab some frosting and then I get a little bit of everything. So the experience of eating cake is always superior, in my opinion, than to having a <laughs> cupcake. <laughs> I totally agree. I totally agree. And like, I'll do the little like cupcake sandwich. Like I'm not, yeah. I'm not suffering with like the frosting on the nose, but I'm always like, um, why isn't this a slice of cake? Which now I'm hoping <laughs> that like any party I go to, they're not like, um, why do you hate my cupcakes? Okay. Tell us about the most ambitious cake that you've ever taken on. Like your Pinterest dream oh. cake. Oh my gosh. Well, ambitious as far as design are probably any of Avery's birthday cakes. We, I mean, we did a bear unicorn cake. She's standing at my office door right now. We did a huge 10 inch tall rainbow cake. Avery does dream big when it comes to her birthday cakes. And it is so fun. She really pushes my um, abilities, which is yeah. still good. I'm like, okay, I got to figure out how to do this. And I don't really do fondant. Um, but I wedding cakes always feel ambitious to me because I'll do those occasionally for friends or family. Um, Flavor-wise, I mean, I was just doing one. Avery wants to come say hi. She's standing here. Flavor-wise... I had a friend just go to New York and they went to a restaurant that I recommended and they texted me and said, okay, we just had the most yummy dessert. Here were all the flavors. Here's the texture of the cake. Can you recreate it? And in those moments when I haven't even like sampled it, but I'm challenged to try to recreate something, those, those are really fun for me, but it's also like, all right, game on. Let's, let's go for this. I love that. Okay. And so just to wrap up, um, I would love if you would just give us a quick rundown of where we can find you. Tell us just a little bit about, you know, your baking line, you have lots of resources. So give us the full rundown. Yes. So on Instagram, it's cake by Courtney. My blog is cakebycourtney.com. You'll find all my recipes there. I have a cookbook that you'll find the recipes in as well. Um, and then I teach classes in Salt Lake City at Orson Gigi, which is G-Y-G-I.com. Gigi.com. You can find them there. Um, I'm coming out with a new, gosh, I'm really excited about it. We're filming it this week, but I have a new cake course that's going to be online. It's a three-month boot camp oh course. Oh, my gosh. So this one will be really fun. It will launch in December and will start in January of 2023. And for three months, I take you through two cakes each month and we start very beginner level and we work our way to advance. And so I'm really excited to hopefully just encourage and like persuade people to do this so that they realize, oh, look what I can do as Courtney teaches me every, you know, every other week you'll get a whole new set of videos for a whole new cake. And just hopefully build people's confidence to be like, oh yeah, I can do this. Yeah. Like, I, I want to be able to hold your hand, get you to the point where you're like ready to fly on your own. And I think we're going to do that with this new course. So I'm so excited about that. I've got my shop Instagram as well. And my shop website, which is shop.cakebycourtney. 
um, and you'll find all my products over there, including my cake flour, my scrapers, the acrylic disc, mm-hmm. um, and the cookbook. Perfect. Perfect. Well, we'll be linking all of those in the show notes so that anyone can go check those out. But thank you so much, Courtney, for being here. Everyone go follow Courtney. She's a delight to follow. Her cakes are gorgeous. She has excellent, excellent taste. So we love her for that. And thank you so much, thank Courtney. You. I appreciate it. Thank you.